There we go. We're on episode 44 of Friday Night Counselor Attack. And this is probably the first time it's happened in such a long time where I'm on a podcast where I'm on the losing side of Man United versus Aston Villa after last week's game. So the only other person on the podcast today is one of the people who actually went to the game, but he was supporting Aston Villa and everyone knows who that is. It's Salem Parkinson. Salem, good to see you back again on the podcast. How was your time at Old Trafford and um, how did you get away with sitting in the home end? Yeah, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, still can't believe that we won because the sort of luck we've had, we've probably beaten you like maybe twice at Old Trafford in, I don't know, maybe like 25 years or something like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, I still can believe. Like, I think we had the better chances and we were probably the better team on the day as well, uh, considering we had quite a lot of big players missing, like Bailey, Buendia just came on, uh, Trore. So we still had a couple of players, like even Tuan Zabi, for example, but House stepped in. So, yeah, I think we had the better chances. I couldn't believe that United got a penalty as well. I don't think it was a penalty for me. But then when I saw Bruno Sky, I just, just couldn't believe it. I st- honestly, just still can't believe we won. But, yeah, sort of onwards and upwards now onto Spurs on the weekend and hopefully we can push on. Yeah, it was ridiculous because Aston Villa is the game that I always go to and you're thinking three points has happened at Old Trafford. We don't see us losing. And over the last few years, we've actually quite struggled since you've been back in the Premier League because you drew 2-2 a couple of years ago. We only beat you 2-1 last season to a penalty from Bruno Fernandes. And then this season, it looked like we could have been 3-0 down at half-time, let alone actually um, losing the game 1-0 with a missed penalty in the last minute by Bruno Fernandes. So that was awful. And it was just one of them things that uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer really needs to change a few of his ideas going forward as well because he keep, even in today's press conference, reco- recording on a Tuesday, uh, he's still backing Fred and McTominay. When you're thinking about how uh, Dean Smith played that 3-5-2, like I suggested a couple of weeks ago when you were on, about having yeah. Watkins and Ings up front and having a, a mighty cash and target as wing-backs, they didn't really do anything in that midfield. McGinn overran them. He could have got Maguire sent off when Maguire uh, like, tripped him up at yeah, the halfway line as well. That's quite suspect, I thought, as well. And it's just annoyingly, Aston Villa were the better team on the day. So... Um, I mean, you enjoyed that as much as anyone. I'm guessing the guys um, back in Birmingham enjoyed that as much as well, which is good. But uh, what we'll do for this podcast, we're just going to be talking about game by game for the weekend because we could talk about the Champions League, but by the time we preview the Champions League, most of the games would have kicked off anyway. So we're not going to do that. Um, we'll go in order. So I've got the squad list next to me. Man United versus Everton, 12.30 on Saturday, Salem. So what are your first thoughts of Everton this season under Rafa Benitez and the likes of Townsend, um, Gray, Salomon Rondon being their new look attack, seeing as Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin have been out of the team? How do you kind of see Everton going up against Man United on Saturday? To be honest, I, I thought I felt quite bad for them when the Ancelotti project sort of ended. But to be honest, they've, they've looked quite good. Like Demari Gray, for example, a player that's not really he didn't really get a proper chance at Leicester and he's turned up and he's done quite well and Andros Townsend another like sort of experienced Premier League player they both really kicked on so I think Everton are looking quite good but for me I still think I think uh, you guys should should win that game I think with United the problem is I was saying it that it just looks like individuals there like you've got individual brilliance but it's whether Oli can get them to play like as a team I think that that's the main sort of thing because at the moment like even watching that game we're sort of we're quite far the better team but I just didn't see any sort of real patterns of play. Sort of, there was that switch that used to happen to Shaw quite a bit in the first half, but then even we sort of, like you know, put a block in to stop that. So, um, I just can't see what United, it's like sort of style of plays. But I think if you can get some sort of rhythm going, and you know, if you could play as a team, you could definitely sort of be in that title race. I think. Yeah, because everyone's been saying that we're lacking that uh, world 
class centre midfielder, like holding mid, the midfielder bit. But even when you're looking at uh, previous teams that Man United have had and they've won titles and trophies as well, the midfield hasn't always been the best, but it's got me thinking. Ander Herrera has been playing pretty decent this season for PSG and Ole Gunnar Solskjaer couldn't convince him to stay because of the contract issues when he left. And in that midfield, he had Fred and McTominay replacing Herrera and Matic as like the first choice midfielder in that season. So you're kind of thinking, have we kind of gone backwards in terms of what Ander Herrera had? Um, to what Fred and McTominay actually had in that midfield. I know Herrera's not the best of, of midfielders, but it kind of just shows that when you've got someone who can do both what Fred and McTominay can do, score goals, pass the ball around, uh, tackle, intercept and man mark, which is what these two players do, what one player can actually do. It kind of looks like we've just gone downhill and gone backwards in that midfield department because Matic is someone who I wish was in his prime, but is not. We can't turn back time on Emmanuel Matic. And, with Donny van der Beek, I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is quite confident having him as a second defensive midfielder. So it looks to sh- it looks to see, uh, it looks like it's going to be another year of Fred and McTominay in, in that midfield. And I think it's it's something that we can improve on definitely. But I don't think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is going to do it because he seems to have his trusted players, and it gets a bit annoying, don't you think, Salim, when you have a manager who has his favourites in the team? Yeah, like for me, Van der Beek could be the answer. Like he's that kind of guy that plays that sort of one-touch football. He's quite a clever footballer, and he could, you know, he could probably he could break the lines. But if he doesn't trust him, he doesn't trust him. But you know, I wouldn't even mind going in for somebody like him. It, you know, be a perfect addition to our midfield. I think a lot of teams could do with a player like with like him, and he's just sort of underused and underrated. And I don't know, they need to sort something out because something's like something's definitely not right there. Something definitely all right with Van der Beek. And it's quite upsetting to see how someone of such talent left Ajax. And Ajax are thriving now in the Champions League. They're beating Besiktas 2-0 as we speak. And they I think scored... he was captain as well at Ajax, right? Yeah, it was, yes. Delic, it was Delic captain, then it was Van der Beek, and then Van der Beek yeah, left so as he, well. So. Still, a big, still a big character, a big personality if he was going to take that armband. And, you know, he was probably playing every single game to now. You know, you could probably, I don't even know how many games he even starts now or anything like that. He, he just doesn't. doesn't. He just comes on for like the last 10 minutes of every other game, which is awful. Like it just ruins his confidence, really. Especially because we're at the League Cup as well. He's our best player on the pitch for quite a few people. I don't think he did that well, to be fair. But a couple of people saying he did really well. But it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. The only person that's going to come into the team and change is Marcus Rashford when he comes back from injury. But um, we're going to see how that goes. And... I'm going to predict a 2-1 win for Man United. I think we're going to concede, but I think we're going to win and scrape it. And I think it'll be a decent uh, 2-1 win for Man United. Burnley yes, versus... Same sorry. for me, to be honest. Yeah, same for me, 2-1 United, I think. 2-1. Next one, we've got Burnley versus Norwich. So Norwich are just bottom of the table. Burnley, um, they didn't do too bad last week, if I remember correctly. Um, it's just one of them things with Burnley um, drawing 2-2 against Leicester. That Jamie yeah. Vardy own goal was quite suspect, obviously, because it just it just really good balling, I think, from Westwood. But I think Burnley should get a win in this game, a draw at, at best for Norwich, because Norwich just haven't turned up again this season in the Premier League. And you're kind of looking at it, Salim, thinking they're too good for the championship, but they're nowhere near the quality of the Premier League. So what's got a gift for Norwich? Do they have to change their system, change their manager? Or do you kind of see individual brilliance kind of just lacking in this Norwich side? Um, I don't think this should change the manager. I think the manager is the right man in charge. I think if he can sort of, I think he needs to set up from defence, like get a solid base in and try to get a couple of clean sheets and then sort of build from it. But maybe the recruitment wasn't good enough this year again. Who knows? They did lose some big players, but they've still got some decent players. I think 
I think sacking the manager wouldn't be the right answer because you know he's shown that he can like he brought him back up anyway. It might just be like a tactical thing, a couple of tweaks. Uh, it might just be that. But the problem is that once you go like five, six, seven games without winning, or you know, it really hits the confidence, and the sort of owners do get quite, you know, ready to pull the trigger, and then you know you fire the manager, and then you know it doesn't mean that the new man will do well maybe he will do well at the start maybe this will go down so I think the best thing would be to trust the manager he deserves the chance you know to see out the season at least and then take it from there really yeah because the way I see it is because of that Buendia money that came in around 35 30 million pounds or so if he spends that wisely in January and he gets a couple of plays that can just help them survive relegation a proper goal scorer next to Timo Puki perhaps and it could actually be something that you could end up um you could end up seeing Norwich stay for another season because they're looking like the new West Brom for me. The next yo-yo club are going up and down, up and down every season. And it's quite annoying because you're kind of wanting someone like um, Brentford or someone like Leeds who come into the league and they just stay there. They they have a proper style of play. Their manager's back in his, his tactics and you're kind of seeing it properly, which is really good. But it's just Norwich. They're not really progressing from um, where they were a couple of years ago as well. I think it's going to be a 2-1 Burnley win for me. Uh, I'll go for a draw, one all. One all. Then we've got Chelsea versus Southampton. So Chelsea are playing tomorrow in the Champions League against Juventus. And then they're playing again on Saturday um, against the Southampton side. So Southampton, they, they're still struggling at the moment. They've got a couple of good draws, Man City and Man United. Um, I think they lost on the weekend to Wolves. Uh, Jimenez scored as well, I think, uh, which is good for yeah. Jimenez. But I think this will be a regulation Chelsea win. I think it will be a 3-1 Chelsea win. At home, I think Lukaku will come back onto form. And I reckon Tuchel won't play the Werner and the Lukaku um, strike partnership like he did against Man City because that didn't really work um, in that game. But I think it will be something where Havertz comes in, Ziyech comes back in, and maybe even Mount comes in as another centre midfielder. But I think it's going to be a 3-1 Chelsea win. How do you see this game going, Salah? Yeah, I was surprised with that. So I played Werner anyway because the team was playing well without him. There wasn't any need for the change. Mm. Uh, I'd say... Chelsea are looking. Chelsea are looking really good, except for obviously that one game. Southampton, for me, they've not. I don't think they've got enough about them anyway. And even like the sort of form they showed at the start of last season, I don't think they'll show that this season. Uh, Jimenez did score a really good goal. I was watching that uh, second half. Really happy for him as well. For me, it's Chelsea all day long. That probably three nil. Yeah, three nil. Uh, and then we have got Leeds versus Watford. So. Watford had a really entertaining game on Saturday against Newcastle. So Newcastle, Newcastle United, and then Leeds, um, they lost in the last minute. Again, another entertaining game. Uh, they lost to West Ham United. So um, the way I see it, I think Leeds will win. I think it will be a comfortable win for Leeds. And I think Bielsa will have a, a fun t- a fun time against this Watford side because um, it's one of them games that I think Leeds should really dominate uh, energy-wise, possession-wise, and realistically have too much in store for Watford. But Salem, do you kind of see Watford staying up this season? Do you, do you think Watford have enough about them? They've got some Premier League experience in there with the likes of Danny Rose coming um, coming in, uh, Josh King coming back in as a striker as well. But what do you kind of think about Watford so far this season from what you've seen or heard about them? I mean, they played really well against us, but that was obviously the first day of the season. I don't, mm. I don't know if they'll have enough because there are quite a couple of good teams. I think Brentford will stay up for me. I think Norwich are probably going down and I think Watford will probably go down. And then for me, it's between maybe Newcastle and Burnley. Yeah, I so, see that as well. So I think it's already quite an important game, this one. Yeah, it's one of them games at Watford. I don't think um, they will win, but they're going to have to make home form 
count a lot more than what it has been already. So um, I think they lost the Wolves at home recently as well. So that was quite sad. And they drew to Newcastle as well. So hopefully it's not another yo-yo performance from Watford because obviously Musa Sissoko coming in. You've got Emmanuel Dennis, who they signed from Club Bruch, yeah. who, if you remember a couple of years ago, Emmanuel Dennis was the guy that did the Sue that season when Ronaldo left as well at the Bernabeu. So he's actually got that Champions League experience, but um, he's just not settled in yet properly to the Premier League. But I think Leeds will win a good 2-0 against Watford's side. Then we've I th- got... I think, I think Leeds will win as well, 2-0. Yeah. 2-0. Then we've got Wolves versus Newcastle. So yeah, just like you mentioned, Raul Jimenez came back from his head injury earlier this season and he scored his first goal. So it's good to see him come back. And it's always nice to see these kind of comebacks because who knows how he was he was feeling after just watching his team like suffer without him. They went down. He didn't get to play again for Nuno after he left for Spurs as well. The team changed around him a bit. Managers came in as well. It's going to be quite nice to see how Raul Jimenez does in this new system um, for Wolverhampton Wanderers. But I think, like I've said a couple of years ago, and I think Raul Jimenez is too good for Wolverhampton Wanderers. When we saw him in the Europa League, it looked like he was quite comfortable playing in European football. And even if you're looking at someone like a Tottenham who is looking at selling um, Harry Kane, if they do end up selling him, could Raul Jimenez be an adequate answer? I think he could be. I think it'd be a good sign-in, not getting as many goals or assists, but he could still be a good sign-in to build across um, the front line if they wanted to sell more players and buy more players. But that's just a theory I have with Raul Jimenez because I think he's too good for this Wolverhampton Wanderers side. As for Newcastle, like you said as well, I think they're going to be in the relegation battle. I don't think they have enough about them besides Almiron and St. Maximan, really. It's quite sad because they're playing a 5-3-2. They have quite boring football besides two players that I've seen really trying to take the attack to one another as well, uh, to the opposition. So St. Maximan is someone that I think you quite admire as well, Salim. But how do you see yeah. this Wolverhampton versus Newcastle game going? Yeah, the thing is Newcastle, like they've been able to get a couple of sort of points but I don't think I still, I still think they're, I think they're still winless to be honest um for me I'd probably for me yeah I think I don't know even Wolves have looked a bit 50-50 but for me I'd probably say Wolves to win 1-0 uh, Newcastle are just too defensive team too negative don't show any real attacking threat they need to play to their strengths with players like say Maximan and Almiron especially so they can do things like Wilson as well but they just I just feel like they're playing you know sort of restrictive with handcuffs on kind of thing because when you're seeing it as well you're seeing it how um like even when i was watching them at old trafford they were time wasting at like the 20 minute mark the 30 minute mark the 40 minute mark but i thought oh yeah it's just because it's man united but they're doing that against watford as well the other day and that's just quite sad to see because if you're a newcastle fan and a few of them have said that already they they don't like the fact that their team isn't an entertaining team because they used to be very entertaining on the likes of Demba bar papacise with alan as manager or when they had Sir um, Bobby Robson once upon a time. Yeah. And they had like Alan Shearer, Laurent Robert. You had all of these players playing Craig Bellamy as well. But it's just there's no consistency with the management that they brought in. Like we've said a couple of weeks ago, Rafa Benitez was a quality manager um, for Newcastle. And they got rid of him because he wanted to do things his own way, bringing his own players. But yeah. they just got a yes man as Steve Bruce. But there's only three points separating Wolves versus um, Wolves and Newcastle. But I think it will be a 1-0 Wolves win. I think it will be a game where uh, hopefully this Wolverhampton side can crack on and get, get their season up and run, really. Because if there anyone, if you can beat anyone in this league, it's rather Norwich or Newcastle to get your season up and run. And I, and I think it's going to be a 1 0 Wolverhampton Wanderers win. What do you think, Sal? Yeah, same 1 0. 
And then we're on to this is this is going to be a fun game. Brighton versus Arsenal, man. Five thirty on Saturday. So Neil Mope scored yesterday against Crystal yeah. Palace, a last minute winner, shushing the Crystal Palace fans at home. Brighton are doing good. They're doing good this season. It's been a very surprising mm. start from them. Uh, I think they're sixth in the league at the moment. Yeah, they're sixth in the league at the moment. They've lost one. They've won four, and they've um, they drew the one yesterday as well. So they could have actually gone top for a, for a period of time. But Potable is in full effect. Really, they're scoring goals. They're doing quite well, and they're keeping a couple of uh, good defensive displays on. But how do you see Arsenal kind of going against this? Because everyone on social media knows about the whole Neil Mope situation with Bern Leno, and that's how you end up getting Martinez because he came into the team. Um, the game after that, when Leno was injured and became the hero for Arsenal, which you ended up buying Arsenal's properly, yeah. probably the better keeper because Martinez could still do a job for Arsenal, I would say. But how do you see Arsenal going against Brighton in this game, Salim? Yeah, I mean, it's quite well documented what happened between Arsenal and Brighton. Um, yeah, Neil Mope is that one of those kind of players that, you know, you'd love to have in your team, but hate to play against, wind up mm. merge kind of person. Um, quite angry on the pitch as well. But yeah, to be honest, Arsenal did get a good win against Spurs, but I'm not sure what happened to Spurs. It just looked like they've sort of fallen apart already quite early for them. Uh, yeah, I still sort of back Brighton, to be honest. I think they should be able to get a point. So I'm going to go for one all. Yeah, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a surprise one. I think Brighton are going to beat this Arsenal side. I think Arsenal did look very good against Spurs, but I think it is more the case of Spurs looking very bad against Arsenal because Arsenal always beat or draw against Spurs at the Emirates. And that starting eleven, you're looking at it with a lot of these new signings, and you're thinking they're they're doing okay, they're doing they're doing good, but they weren't really pressurized uh, defensively in that first half, from what I remember. Maybe one or two chances that went wide. Um, yeah. Deli Ali wasn't doing much. Lucas was the only one trying to get through the lines. Son as well. Kane, I don't know what's happened to Harry Kane. We'll get on to him when we talk about Spurs. But I think it'll be one of them situations where I think Brighton will have the momentum because of the form they've got in their hands. It'll be good to see how Neil Mope does against this Arsenal back line. Uh, I think they've got what Ben White and Gabriel. So they're quick, they're decent, they're still young as well. So they don't have anyone lingering like David Luiz, who's, who's lacking for pace anymore, Rob Holden, who's injury prone. But I think it will be... I think it'll be a free one uh, Brighton win. I think it'll be quite a fun game to watch on Sky Sports at five o'clock. Just a quick note on Brighton. Night. Just a quick one before I move on on Brighton. Uh, the thing is that, to be honest, I'm kind of... Sorry, Simon. Um, you were saying uh, Brighton... Yes, versus... I was going to say that I'm not entirely surprised with how well Brighton have done because last year, in terms of XG, they were quite high up, but they just couldn't sort of convert these big chances to goals. So I think that that's where they've improved this season and... Yeah, you know, uh, Graham Potter just played some good stuff. I mentioned it last year as well when sort of Arif was hyping up his uncle Bielsa. So, you know, it's it's there. And um, I think that they'll probably have a decent season and they could try and look for towards sort of not getting in relegation scrap, scrap, but moving towards that top 12 potentially. Yeah, I think that'd be a good shot for them to see if they can maintain it over the season. Uh, probably in like the no man's land of the Premier League between 10th and 15th, I'd say would be a good for season for them. They push for Europe, that's going to be extraordinary, but I think there'll be other teams around them that could still be stronger and that can last the, the whole... Well, it's, it's, it's one step at a time, isn't it? Yeah, definitely one step at a time. It's got to be done. Um, Sunday, we've got Crystal Palace versus Leicester. Leicester have been not in the best of forms. They're still getting used to Europa League football again. Uh, League Cup football they're in as well. I think Crystal Palace with Vieira at the moment, I think it will be a draw. I think it will be a 1-1 draw. I don't think it will be something too exciting it's on tv as well 
But I think it will be a 1-1 draw and I reckon it will be a time where we get to see Jamie Vardy score against Crystal Palace and do that eagle celebration that he always does. He'll do that at um, Selhurst Park as well. But how do you see Leicester going into this game, Salem? Because I think they're playing on Thursday as well in the Europa League. So they're going to be one of these teams that are coming back um, from an away le- uh, away game in the European. Yeah, it's going to be quite. It's going to be quite intense on Leicester. I think they've got they've got a really good squad though, Leicester. But I'm just not convinced that they've got what it takes to get that top four because they've been there. Like they've probably spent the most days over the last two seasons in that top four. But just something just goes wrong for them towards the end. Like no idea what it is, but maybe they just need somebody that's been there, done it, kind of sort of leader to carry them over the line, kind of thing. But you know, I, for me, I don't, for me, it's I think it'll probably be you know a two-two. That's what I'm going for. I think that I think it will be. I think it'll be quite open actually. I think there'll be chances because they've got players like Zaha and and uh, Alise on this side. I don't, I'm not sure if he's play, back. From, I think Eze is still injured though. As they still injured, they got and um, then Edward, uh, Edward, Edward. I, I saw his debut when he came on and bagged two goals like like that. He's so yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to be what I think he's one of those players. I think Leicester should have gone for as well, Ibad. And again, it's someone that's I think, done. I think, I think I think they were after him. Were they? And yeah, they I'm sure they were. Hmm. But it would have been good to for, see. I think they went for that Patson Daka instead. Ah, uh, yeah, that must have been it. Because they got Sumari, that's, that's where they spent most of their money last in the summer as yeah. well. Sumari and Vestergaard, they got big signings there. But yeah. um, I think Eobard will do quite well this season. It'll be, it'll be fun to see how, how well he does in the Premier League because a lot of players that come from Scotland, they naturally fit in because of the intensity in Scotland and people don't really shop a lot in the SPL. So it'll be good to see how, um, how he does uh, against these kind of teams with these open plays, with these centre-backs. Sometimes three at the backs will be good against um Eobard as well then we're on to your game Salem Villa versus Tottenham we were at uh, White Hart Lane or the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium I saw that recently it's a really nice stadium actually it's a really good stadium it's all well up well lit well designed and everything um but I think this is a game where Aston Villa will carry the momentum in because again Tottenham are playing in the UEFA Conference League on Thursday so I think it's a game where Aston Villa will win 2-1 I think it'll be a game where if you play that same formation at 3-5-2 with Ollie Watkins as your pressing striker and Danny Ings also um, hurrying up uh, Dyer, Rodon, Sanchez, whoever's in that in that back four, in the back four, I reckon you'll have a field there against them. I reckon it'll be a, a game where if you start Ings and Buen, uh, Ings, maybe Buendia in the centre mid, it could work. But how do you kind of see this game going? Obviously, it's your team, Salas. How do you see Villa doing against uh, Tottenham Hotspur? Yeah, I'll start with Spurs, actually, because I've probably got less to say about them. I'd say, like, this whole situation about them, I remember they... I think it was only three games and Nuno got manager of the month. Yeah. To see where they were then and to see how they are now, like, sort of a month on, it's, you know, such a, like, such a shock, really, as well. Um, I think Kane doesn't look happy. The body language doesn't look good. It's one of them where... If you look at us, we so obviously we Jack went because of his release clause, but we've improved as a team since selling him. I think maybe Spurs, if they sold him, and instead of doing what they did with Bale and sign like I don't know, was it seven players and eight players something? If they just bought in maybe three like really good players, they would have you know been better off right now. Yeah, I think even to replace Kane, like even Ivan Tony, I reckon would be a wicked signing. Uh, he's not obviously proven like fully in that sort of prem level, but you know we'll see at the end of the season. I think for Villa, I think that tactic that you did mention, the 3-5-2, it does work quite well. 
the wing backs really do push up. So it's not a 5 3 2. And then we've obviously got the new set piece coach, Austin McPhee, who's uh, contributed quite a lot to us as well. We've got that long throw as well in the locker. I think. I think we beat Everton, we beat United. The tactic did look really good against Chelsea too. And, you know, without Leon Bailey and Wendy and Trore and quite a lot of our other sort of key players, we're, we're showing that we've got that squad depth. I think we're a better team now without Jack. And, um, yeah, I think, I'm not going to say it's going to be comfortable. I think that, I think it'll be a tough game. But I just think that we also work quite hard as a team. There's a lot of like running that goes in. And I think physically we're you know, amongst the best in the Prem. And we've got some good youngsters coming through too. So for me, it's, it's going to be a 1-0, 1-0 Villa win. That's what I like about Jacob Ramsey. He's such a hard worker for an attacking midfielder of his age because there's not someone who's expecting to be on the ball all the time, but he'll work for it as well. And he did really well against Everton and he did pretty well against Man United as well in that centre midfield because even though it'd be McGinn sometimes bombing forward, he'd be mature enough to stay back and hold that midfield if someone else was going into attack, which is pretty good as well. And I've said it before, when you sell a player who doesn't want to be there, it's only beneficial for the team. So obviously over the summer, we were bantering and laughing about Jack Grealish leaving, but you're actually seeing it firsthand about how you're not doing too bad at the moment. You've got a new kind of system. We've got some new players in who have actually done the job for you and are doing pretty well. And they're going to be doing even better once one or two of them become fit and uh, become like proper starters as well, like Leon Bay, which will be good as well. Tottenham Hotspur, I, it's one of them things like only they can make their own they, they they create their own downfall really don't they Tottenham Hotspur with Daniel Levy who really got too big for his boots this time I think because he's, he's lingered on Michael Carrick he's lingered on Berbatov once upon a time he lingered on Bale he's lingered on Modric Carry Kane he didn't want to be there and he, he said it before the summer transfer window started and we saw that all throughout the Euros as well about how he wasn't comfortable he didn't finish the season off um with a good attitude towards Tottenham Hotspur so I don't think Harry Kane will leave. Um, he, he, I, don't, I don't think he'll, he'll leave, unfortunately, because I thought he would have done in January. But if he leaves in January, that'll be brilliant for him. But I think Daniel Levy just has too much power for him. And I think he's messed up ridiculously because when you're looking at how he's only scored in the League Cup against Wolverhampton Wanderers, he didn't do anything against Arsenal. He missed a couple of chances. Now, Harry Kane on form would always finish. That header in the first half when he just popped it wide, he didn't get his head in the right place. It's silly things like that, but I think Aston Villa will win 2-1 against the Tottenham side, but Tottenham have it all to sort out. And I kind of feel sorry for Nuno Espirito Santo because he's so loved and appreciated at Wolverhampton Wanderers for everything he did for them. He goes to this team where it's just crumbling apart, falling apart, and you're kind of looking at three, four players already that need to be sent out of the club, and you're looking at six, seven that need to be brought in as a minimum. But it's just about how he does that and if he has time to do that because... He wasn't even their first choice as a manager, which is quite sad to see about Nuno Espirito Santo. Uh, next one, West Ham versus Brentford. I think this one should have been a televised game. I think this would have been a fun game to watch. Uh, Brentford have, been, have had probably one of the games of the season so far with 3-3 against Liverpool last week. That was exciting to see. And West United have been doing pretty well this season as well. I mean, obviously they had that missed penalty from Mark Noble, but they got through to the next round of the Carabao Cup. David Moyes has been playing some... Brilliant counter-attack in football for him as well. And Mikel Antonio's back from his suspension. He scored that last-minute winner against Leeds United. So, Salim, Brentford, you said they're going to stay up, but how how high do you think Brentford can go this season? Do you reckon it'll be a top-10 finish for them? 
Um, I don't think top 10 just yet, but I think that mid-table finish would be good if they can avoid any sort of relegation battle. I back them, to be honest, from before they came up from last season. I did say Brentford are a good side and they play good football and they've got some really good players and is, and they've gelled as a team as well. Um, Thomas Frank's doing a great job there. So I think I think they are. So uh, for me, that's probably one of the teams to watch in the Prem this season. You know, because I think that they will get some upsets. They should have beat Liverpool, in my opinion. Um, so that's that on them. Um, yeah, and, and obviously West Ham. They've um, Antonio's been a big player for them over the past couple of seasons. Uh, they, they are looking good again, and the Moyes. And um, I feel like they were really unlucky against United. I don't think Mark Noble should have taken that penalty anyway. I know this is obviously going two games back. Mm. He wasn't obviously fresh. I mean, sorry, he wasn't up to speed with the game, and it was his first kick. But you know, I think I think West Ham are a genuine threat to that sort of top six, in my opinion. And um, they should be looking to finish, you know, above Spurs and Arsenal, really. Uh, so, yeah, so that's... So, yeah, they're both two good teams. And I just think West Ham, I don't know, it could be, uh, for me, uh, probably another 3-3 three, three potentially on the cards. But I think 3-2 yeah. West Ham for me. I would have gone for something like 3-2 West Ham as well, because... When you think about it, when you think to one of our first earlier podcasts, we were talking to Danny, who's a West Ham fan, and he was talking about how um, unsettled the management was at the time, the, the owners were at the time. But this is the first time in a long time I can think of West Ham United, especially at the new ground that they're at, the Olympic ground, where they're actually settled, the team is settled, the management settled, and the staff are settled. When you're kind of thinking they're happy with David Moyes, they're happy with the players that they've got, and they're happy with the style of play that they've got. And it's quite nice to hear that from a Premier League team when they're not complaining about the managers or if they lose or not going Moyes out or this plays bad or that plays bad. And it's kind of good to see that you've got a, one of these teams who are kind of reassuring. And just like you said, they could break into that top six, I think. They're, they're on, um, they could get into, they could break into the established league as well. And they nearly drew to Man United. They could easily end up beating these teams like Liverpool and Manchester City, who we'll be talking about next. But yeah, I think it'll be a 3-2 or a 4-2 for West Ham United on Sunday at two o'clock. Finally, Salem, Liverpool versus Manchester City. First thoughts. First thoughts. Sorry. I mean, it's already one of those big sort of title kind of games. Feels like a six-pointer, doesn't it? Yeah, already. You know, this early in the season, mm. I think I think that's going to be a real tactical game. I think Liverpool are going to be hurting from last season, but last season was already written off for them, considering the sort of football they played. We always knew that there was going to be a burnout in that sort of fourth club season. I think it was. Mm. But yeah, you know, Pep's obviously. You know, he's reinvested and he's bought some new players in. I think they still could have done with a striker. But, you know, if he feels he can play like Ferran and Sterling and whoever up front, then that's fair play to him because, you know, he's somebody that, Pep's somebody that can get solutions to these kind of problems and he does back the players. I think they've probably got the best sort of squad in the Premier League. If you look at overall squad, you know, two players a position kind of terms is probably got the best. You can get... Um, it's going to be a wicked game, this. But I think, I don't know, I just think Man City too strong. And for me, the other thing is, it's, I'm going to sort of get to see Grealish in sort of a, you know, like a massive game. game. Just think, I just think, I'll just go side with Man City on this one. I think they'll win 2 1. This is where we disagree because I think Liverpool are going to do really well uh, in this game against Man City. I think it's going to be a Liverpool 3 2 win. I reckon um, the fact that they've both got European games tonight as we're speaking, so 
One's against Porto, one's against PSG. So Man City are away in Paris, Liverpool are playing against Porto as well. But I, I truly think that Liverpool have it in this in this game to actually beat Man City. I think with the likes of Salah, Firmino, Mane, who feel like they're back on form as well. I reckon they've got their freshness back as well. But I reckon if it would be good to see if Kunati and Van Dijk start against um, this Man City back line because I reckon Jack Grealish can get between the lines like he does quite a lot. Do they start with Grealish and Sterling on the wings? Do they start with Foden on the other side? How do they kind of do it? Because realistically speaking, Manchester City have an embarrassment of riches to face against this Liverpool back line where I don't think uh, Liverpool have that embarrassment of riches for their front line as well, just like you were saying before, because their replacement for what Firmino is Minamino, who's been poor and didn't even have a good loan spell for Southampton last season as well. But I think if it's over the 90 minutes, I think Liverpool, with the Anfield crowd that they have, I reckon it would be a good... 3-1, 3-2 win for Liverpool on, on this weekend coming up. And it's going to be quite fun to see this game because they're always good games. They're always fun games. And no manager actually holds back um, when they face against each other because Man City have had Chelsea and they're beating Chelsea. They took on that Thomas Tuchel park in the bus situation, which he did. Um, they've taken on they've taken on PSG in 20 minutes when we're off the recording. And they're going to be taking on uh, Liverpool. But I think Liverpool... We'll win this game. I reckon it'll be good to see how Jurgen Klopp does against this Pep Guardiola. And I reckon it's going to be a good time to see how Liverpool can actually do in this title race as well. I don't want Liverpool to do well in this title race, obviously, but I think they are going to do pretty well in this title race. Um, but yeah, those are our little, little previews for the game ahead. Obviously, this is released on a Friday, so there's no Friday games or Monday games this week. So, um, Simon, thanks for coming on to the podcast as always. Hopefully, I'll be celebrating Man United beating Villarreal tomorrow. Uh, at Old Trafford, which would be quite fun, but that'll be a good game for me to go and watch. What are you up to this weekend? Anything? Yes. Yeah, so, so currently, I'm sort of away in um, Blackburn at the moment. I've got mm. like a sort of job here, um, sort of working away kind of thing. That's why I sort of can't really commit that much time. Still need to eat and stuff. But yeah, I'm just here in Blackburn for a few days, and then probably back to Yorkshire, and then they're looking to move move house. Really, that's the aim for this week. And um, yeah, and then hopefully I'll be able to commit better and get back to normal with you know the podcast really that'll be good it'll be good to see when the houses will move as well and let, let me know if you need me to come on a day off and i can help out as well which would be yeah good. of course of course yeah really appreciate that and then it was quite fun with me because i've started university as well so it's finally happened my first week of university is here and it's quite nice to kind of get involved and i was, t- I was telling my mother-in-law this uh, today as well i was literally just saying like it doesn't feel like a chore going into university and learning about the stuff because it's stuff I want to learn and it's quite fascinating to me. And just like, as long as you're happy, we're, we're really happy that you're happy about it, which is brilliant. But um, hopefully over the next coming weeks, there'll be more content for me to deliver as well. There'll be more that I'll be learning from, from different people, from different managers, different coaches. So hopefully I get to see the game in a better way than I have done over the last year or so as well. And because my university is in Manchester, more Man United games. Because it's, it's, walk, it's not walking distance, like the other side of the city from... One one stadium which will remain nameless to Old Trafford, but I won't I won't name that stadium. Yeah, I was going to say you've done you've done quite well. You did secure something the other day as well. I read on the group, but yeah, no, happy that you are back and hope you really have a good journey. You know, and for this university journey that you're taking, and you know, hopefully it works out for the best. You know, obviously we're all supporting you here as it is. Yeah, I appreciate that as always, Sam. It means a lot. And- like I said, like whenever I feel like I've done something well, I always have to relate back to people who have helped me. And this wouldn't have begun without talking to you guys that, on the podcast as well. So even though we're ending the podcast now, it just felt like 
when you're looking at it around a year or a year or so ago, that's when we started the podcast. That's when we started having these honest conversations about our mental health, about football, about what we like and what we dislike. And when you're looking at it, we were doing it in a lockdown where a lot of people couldn't see one another and meet one another. But realistically speaking, I've never felt uh, distant from any anyone on the podcast, which is brilliant. I know it sounds cliche and cheesy and everything, but it sounds great um, in my mind, the way I said it. But that's just me anyway. Right then, Salim, I'll let you go. Enjoy your week. No Enjoy your game at Inter Batley this weekend. Again, just let me know if you if you. Oh, score I don't well. think I think there's no game on this weekend. It's uh, next week. Oh, is it an international week, uh, break for Sunday League football? It's it's a county cup, but I don't think we've been entered into it, so no game week this week. Oh no, we'll have to wait till the week after that. No, worries, I mean there Salim. could be a friendly, but I'll update you if there is. But yeah, that's it for me. Definitely, that's it for me as well. Everyone, thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing to our YouTube and to our. Uh, social media as well. It's been brilliant having you and we'll see you again next week. Take care and goodbye.